Hello everyone, welcome back. Honestly, I'm surprised by you who decide to listen to Noah again. Aren't you tired of him? Well, good for you. But since I know Noah, that's enough with these whole small talks. Or as I said in Italian, bando alle ciance. Our special guest today is Ilaria, Head of Education and Training at the Centro Studi Serino Regis. The organization has been promoting a culture of peace and non-violence since 1982 becoming a landmark of the pacifist culture in Turin. The layout of the Centro Studi is super, super cool. As a matter of fact, when I did my internship with them, I loved going to the office and enjoying the theme-based poster hanging on the wall. Anyway, hi Laria, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi everybody, getting better. <laughs> Perfect. Let's, Let's talk. talk. Hi, I'm Noah. And I am Michaela. We're the host of Maketa Podcast, a show where we talk about the fruits that no one wants to talk about. So, Ilaria, would you like to tell us a little more about what the Centro Studi Sereno Regis is? So, Centro Studi Sereno Regis is a volunteering organization, as you said, based in 1982. Uh, so next year it will be 40 years of uh, our association. I like to define it as uh, the house of the social movement because it was born in a historical period where anti-militaristic movement, pacifist movement, uh, environmental movements, uh, movement for the rights of women were really strong in the youth population, in the academy, in the civil society. So at a certain point, uh, all this movement, all these non-formal groups decided to have a place where they want to um, collect some knowledge. That's how the library was born. The Centro Studi Serno Regis as the biggest library in Italy about peace and non-violence. And for the majority, at least at the beginning, it was collected by the activists. So the people were reading books about these topics, were collecting books from all over the world about these topics, and they were bringing them to the library to contribute to a collective knowledge. So they decided to have this place. At the beginning, it was really a small room in the suburbs of Torino. And then we grow, we grow, we grow, we need more space. So we decided to move in the center. For the people who know Torino, the center has been uh, gentrified, let's say the truth. In the last 20 years, before the um, Olympic Winter Games in 2006, the center was uh, renewed, was, uh, you know, totally rebuilt, etc. But um, in the 90s, when we we got this, this place that uh, Michela was describing, that is a kind of labyrinth because we had one place over the other, it was almost ruined and abandoned. So it was really a collective effort to get this space as a public good for the community, for the people. So still now over 99% of the activity years are for free. So the people can come without any payment, without any entrance, without any card. They just came for free and they can uh, enjoy, they can attend any conference, uh, film projection, uh, seminar, participating in laboratories and activities. And the decision to, to have the, the space was linked to the fact that it was important to be independent. 
because nonviolence is a really revolutionary attitude, vision of the world. In some way, uh, fight with the mainstream uh, ideas and paradigms. So we always work in the direction to be as much as possible independent, to be in our house, to be in our spaces, to try to be independent also in our funds, to be free to decide which was our mission, and our strategy and our goal not to be dependent on uh, policymaker, on decision out from our uh, activism and volunteerism and uh, our decision. So the idea to be independent is one of the pillars of Centro Studio. As I said, Centro Studio looks like really, you know, formal one, formal place, a place where you study and there are books and maybe there is a little bit of dust around. But actually, the pillars of the center are three, research, education and nonviolent action. So we, we don't care just about, you know, reading books or making research or, uh, you know, collecting archives of the movements but we are interested in spreading our, our vision regarding nonviolence, our culture of nonviolence in the society. So we do a lot of work in education. We do a lot of cultural work for the community, for the normal people, try to make nonviolence a topic that is accessible to the people, not just to experts that work on peace studies or do peace building, no? Because it's important to understand that uh, we can be non-violent in our daily life. It's not just about speaking about words happening somewhere far away, but violence is in our society. So we really try to uh, make people understand this and uh, be proactive toward the violence in our society. And then we have non-violent action. So every project, every activity has an impulse and as a um, try to work towards society to make a change. So that's what we try to be. We are mainly a volunteering organization. Uh, there are some people working uh, in the association, but the base is made by volunteers and by young people that are here, that maybe start with an intern and they continue to volunteering and be active for us. So, and also our volunteer is activism because it's not just to be, you know, it's not about charity, it's not about to be good with the society, but it's about to make a change. And that's what we are more or less. Then if you have other questions, maybe I can go deeper in some points. Okay, the next one is what does nonviolent communication mean? <laughs> well, nonviolent communication, technically speaking, it's an approach toward the communication that was created by Marshall Rosenberg and uh, it's a way totally different uh, to communicate and it's based on uh, some pillars, so it's a really structured model. It's called nonviolence because it is based uh, on a nonviolent approach and vision toward life. No? So the capacity to recognize the connection between human beings, 
and in fact between human beings and all other creatures and animals and environment that is around us. So nonviolence is really to recognize this interconnection. If I see this, uh, this interconnection, if I'm able to feel empathy, a deep empathy toward you, then I'm not I'm not anymore able to act violently toward another creature. I see that if I hurt you, whichever uh, shape you have, I hurt also myself. So this is uh, the really basic root of uh, nonviolence. Starting for this point, the, the question from which Marshall Rosenberg start was is the way how we communicate recognizing this interconnection or not? And he found out that no, <laughs> our communication is inner violent, even if we don't recognize it, even if we don't see it. So how we build a communication that is non-violent? First of all, we need to divide what we observe from what we judge, because we are continuously judgmental toward others and we are putting our values and our moral and our ethics toward others and over the others and people when they feel judged they feel always judged negatively always if our judgment is, is, is positive because it's always my fault over somebody else so first of all, he said, the first step to be nonviolent in communication is to observe, to learn how to express an observation, not a judgmental. The second step is to be able to express our needs. This is so complicated because we always express what we want from others that want the others to change. But the first, the only power we have in the world is not to change the other, we just can change ourselves. If everybody change itself herself, then maybe we can make a change around us. So we need to start from ourselves and to be able to recognize our needs. The need is not a position like yes or no, white and black, I'm right, you're wrong. These are positions. But which are your needs, your fundamental needs? Why you are telling me this? It's already a deep inner work no, of questioning yourself what you really need in the relationship with others no, to be okay, to be fine, to, to feel full, let's say. So this is the second step. <laughs> and already this two step, if we are able to do it, wow already a great result impact in our communication. Then we have the possibility to also express our feelings, how the situation, how the behavior of the others make me feel, still without being judgmental and without put on the other person the responsibility of my feelings. This is a really important point because if we say you made me angry. We are putting the responsibility of our feeling on the other person. You made me angry. It's violent because we are trying to change the other. We are not changing ourselves. We are not building on ourselves. And then, which is our request? What we are requesting to the other? 
that is not an order. That is, again, is not something that the person must do because they, they the person feel judged by me or because it's moral to do it. But if I did in a well way the other steps, the person would empathize with me and would be able to welcome my request. That is specific, not general, that is concrete, rooted in a situation, not, uh, oh, I want you to be more polite with me or I want you to be more comprehensive with me or you don't understand me, you need to understand me. These are, these are not requests because they are too general, too vague and too judgmental. So how to build these steps? So this is the structure, more or less, uh, in a really few words, of what Marshall Rosenberg say is nonviolent communication and should be structured nonviolent communication. To be sincere, the methodology and the approach of nonviolent communication, it asks for a really lot of exercise and practice to be able to do it. Because we are not educated to this kind of communication and we have to deconstruct all our way to communicate since uh, infantry. But it doesn't mean that if we don't reach this top point, we cannot do anything or we cannot anyway improve our way to communicate to the others. So there are some smaller steps we can do in our daily life. It, for example, are be active listener to the other, not judge when the other is speaking. Don't connect in our mind to our personal life when a person is speaking, no? Ah, yes, yes, I did also. Oh, it should do like this or it should like that. And thinking in our mind a lot of suggestion we want to give to the other person, no? Or be angry if we give suggestion and the other person doesn't listen to us or doesn't accept this beautiful suggestion we are giving them, no? From our top of the mountains, like a really old person giving his pearl of uh, knowledge. So these are, for example, uh, beginning steps, no? Be active listener with the other. Really deeply listen the other and put question instead of giving answer to the other situation. This is already a beginner to be empathetic with the other, to be able to recognize our needs. So if we are able just to, to reach one of these points that Marshall Rosenberg listened, it's already a result and it can make a change in our, uh, in our daily life. A question that always came, oh, but uh, what about if I use nonviolent communication and the other is violent toward me? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Nonviolent communication is something that you start from yourself. And as I said before, the change starts from you. You cannot change the others. But your, your behavior, if you are really empathic, if you are really nonviolent, can make a change in the other. This is the power of nonviolence. It's really, really short explanation because the, the methodology is really complex and uh, long also to, to explain and to exercise and to approach. But to be short, this is the description. But at the same time, you've been very clear and communicative in what you said, because at least in my opinion, lots of points you've touched are very important and they're not sufficiently acknowledged. So it's always useful to get a reminder, you know, of how important all of it is. So, as our last question, 
What is nonviolence to you? And why do you think nonviolent communication is that important? Another big question. What is nonviolence for me? I did dedicate uh, the last 15 years of my life to nonviolence since I discovered it. So for me, it means a lot. It means uh, my, my try to contribute to the society. I'm not saying that I'm non-violent. <laughs> I'm aware that I'm violent. That's why I need to, to work every day toward non-violence. So for me, it's not a status, it's a way from the personal point of view. Then, if I have to look at the society, for me, non-violence is a lens. A lens toward you can look at the world to, uh, around you, no? It can be the glasses. It uh, helps you to really clarify many things that are around to you, no? Because uh, we grow up with the idea that violence is uh, inner human. You cannot avoid uh, violence between humans. Uh, you cannot avoid violence in our society. It's part of the human beings. Uh, na, na, na. And studying and reading uh, and really trying to deconstruct myself from what I learned since I was a child, I, I'm strongly convinced that what is really human is non-violence. What makes us human is non-violence. It's the cooperation, it's the collaboration between human beings. You know, the, the first uh, things we learn when, you, when we just born, when we are really small child, is the relation of care. Because the baby, the human baby, is the only animal in nature that cannot survive without the care of the mommy, with, of the fathers, of the family. So the first human relation is a relation of love, is a relation of care. It's not violence. And the care protects us against the the nature that is not violent is just nature, no? It's just surviving. So, to, to rediscover this uh, deep knowledge, these deep uh, feelings about human beings, and to be trustful about humanity, this is for me what really convinced me that we are inner non-violent. If we are able to, to see, as I said before, this interconnection between us, we can build new kind of society that are not based on uh, prevarication or on uh, the idea that uh, homo homini lupus, but that we need each other to be better, no? And also, sometimes the people say, yes, but come on, the world, there are where there have been always war, we have been always educated like this, and the war continues, na na na, and it's our history, and it's our mentality, and the resources are uh, small, so people have to fight, uh, this is the statue of nature. I'm always replying, okay, it didn't work until this point. We cannot say we had a beautiful story, we cannot say that we were free from genocide uh, of from any worst thing you can imagine. So, if uh, until this point it didn't work, maybe we can try to do something different. Maybe we can give a chance 
to the peace, we can give a chance to the nonviolence to change the world, no? At least let's try to do it, instead of saying, we all come on, we always solve with the world. <laughs> and another point is that we do not acknowledge enough the results that we got for the development of, new, of the humanity thanks to non-violence. I mean, all the human rights we have, all the development in our society we had, we had not because of war. War always destroyed and it's always fast and it's always immediately and it's not reversible. But the result we got, we got from social movement, we got from people that got in, that went in the square and they went peacefully. <laughs> but this is not acknowledged in our history. Nobody studied it in our uh, history manual. There is always uh, history of words of people that were they were fighting and they didn't know even where they why they were fighting and against who and why they were killing you know another 18 years old person on the other side of the line. So it's maybe banal to say, but we are always made by top down. Let's try to acknowledge also the results that nonviolence had in the history and know it. And then we can start to discuss about it. And nonviolence communication in all this process, it's important on interpersonal level, uh, on the way how we grow. But I said, it's difficult to reach immediately. My main goal is not, of course, that uh, in every school they learn uh, nonviolent communication, so immediately. For me, it's already a result when people learn how to listen to each other deeply, learn how not to be judgmental in our daily life. These are already results. So we can build step by steps. And maybe in some years we will reach the, the top and we will all speak like Marshall Rosenberg. But it's okay. It's a, as I said, it's a process. It's not already done. It's not a status. <laughs> Thanks, Ilaria, for what you said. And I think it's so important, the nonviolent communication. Honestly, I've tried and it's so, so difficult. So difficult. It's not easy at all. So I think, uh, as you said, this is a process and we have to start from our point of view. So we can't push the responsibility to the other, as you said, but to ourselves. So really, I want to thank you so much for obviously joining us today at Mukita Podcast. And I'm reminding you all that you will have all the resources linked down below. And thank you again and stay tuned.